Jake. <laughs> what is with that music again? It it does it every time we start. <laughs> I, I don't know how to turn it off yet. <laughs> well, hello, Twitter world. Welcome to the, <laughs> the writer's block. And at some point, Jake will figure out how to turn that music off. If anybody has any thing to tell him about that, please let him know. Uh, hi, Jake. How How is your week going? Hi, Brandon. It is going great. <laughs> um, it, is, <laughs> it has been a very long week, but I am so excited to be on here and to chat about writing, which I absolutely uh, love. Yes, yes. I know we've got a couple questions we need to get answered, but I think it would be good to just kind of what are what what are you currently reading? And if if anybody's out there and wants to chime in, please just send the request. We will get you going. This is an open forum, so let's just talk about writing, books, and whatever questions you may have. So I do know that Brian's running a little bit late in traffic, so he's going to join as he can. Okay. And I've sent an invite to Liam, and I'm sure he'll pop on it sometime. And even if he doesn't, we can answer that question as we get going. Yes, yes. I would like to say that I am reading, like, 12 books at the same time, but I can't do that all the time. Oh, my God. So, just finished The War of the Worlds. Uh, I, I mean, that's a personal favorite for mine out there that's one of my tops that's one of my top two so i was gonna say, remember correctly this is a brandon favorite this is so. a brandon favorite so what okay what did you think of it i so even though the writing itself was a little antiquated which is understandable given when it was written yes the story itself is so well done it's so compelling i loved it I, I mean, you, you can't talk me into reading because I've read it at least four times. At least four times. I mean, it's. I know it's more than that, but it's yes. So that is what I just finished, and then I just barely today picked up and started The Witchlings, um, which is turning out to be a really fun. Uh, middle grade book so far. I'm only a couple chapters into it, but already I am totally hooked, and I cannot wait to discuss it with um, one of the book clubs that I'm part of. Okay, okay. I mean, I, I'm interested to hear more about what you thought about World War of the Worlds, but we're not gonna sit on that one too much. We're just gonna move on, right? We don't have to move on. I can. We no, we need to move on because we can't just make it all about me. And or you, this is about everyone else out there. So I'm interested to hear what everyone else is reading. I'm right now, I'm in the middle of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And it's, I, I've been doing this thing where I go back and read the classics because I'm a, a science fiction author. And I think getting those classics underneath your belt is great. This one, it's really, it's really good. There are some parts given when it was written, that I do find it almost seems like they, if for us, it would be like, oh, you pulled that from the internet. Like, you went back and highlighted this section because you're tr he's trying to explain something, but it's done in a way that's very, I read that from Wikipedia. Like, yeah. it doesn't, like... Very dry. <laughs> it's very dry, right? So I might get through that section, and there's some good chunks of it. But it's a... It's really good, and I can see why it's a classic. Um, I definitely have a love for the classics, but I also <laughs> know that they can be hard for a lot of people to read, um, just given yeah. the, the dialogue and, and everything in the descriptions. But I do think that... I do think that the writing industry is headed in the right direction with lots of voice, lots of action, lots of things that are helping readers to grasp all of that information without it being a total information dump for pages and pages. I mean, 
I would make a dump joke, but I'm not going to make a dump joke because we're yeah. fine. <laughs> right? Let's maybe not do that one right now. I, I mean, you're classic in that. I'm not, but whatever. Um, no, I think the writing community, I, I think, and I was talking to a buddy of mine about that, about this the other day. And Misty, you are welcome to chime in, chime in whenever you want. If you want to, don't feel obligated. Um, I think what's going to happen, and this is for, so it's on record, is we're going to see this switch in entertainment. And while we are seeing a lot of virtual reality right now, I think we're going to see a lot of story-based virtual reality where you kind of are this character through the story. Um, and I see that happening in the writing community and them pulling stories from us. So I, I think that'll be interesting in the near future. And that's, that's just my opinion. Now, I'm a science fiction author, so I tend to look forward, but it's just my opinion. I will say to all of our listeners that have never joined us before, Brandon has some very, very serious opinions about the entertainment industry, we'll put it that way, as far as movies and things and <laughs> the copies that everybody is doing and the extensions <laughs> of series. And here's the thing. I love the fact that you do that, Brandon, because it might not push the entire community, but it pushes you and those around you to think through things with a twist, with a different new way of doing things. And I'm hoping that as a bunch of us continue to kind of have that mindset and that vibe, that the industry as a whole will kind of shift in that direction as well. Oh, well, thank you. I, yes, I do have very strong opinions about what's happening with television and right now and movies and such, but that's not why we're here. We're here about books and Misty, I imagine you're reading something. I'm not reading. I'm just listening. (laughs) No, I I just want to know what you're reading is what you're, what what books are you currently reading? Well, I have, uh, my goal this year is to read at least a book of a book a month. And by read, I mean, listen, That's I reading. enjoy, I, well, I, en- I know I enjoy like actually like holding a book and reading, but, um, I feel like I can get a lot more stuff done if I listen. And I am currently listening to one of the Bridgerton series, the Duke and I, the first one. OMG. Of, it's a of love story. Of course you are. Of course you are. <laughs> I love a love story, but I, <laughs> But I, I, I finished um, since the, the start of the month or the start of the year, I finished um, Michelle Obama's Becoming. And I, what was the second one? Um, Carrie Fisher's, uh, like her, her story about all of her, uh, Princess Diarist. So it's like everything that was happening while she was Princess Leia, her oh. diary entries from that. And that was some, that was spicy. And let's see. And then I, spicy. And then I just, I finished uh, Glass, The Glass Castle. So you've had three, your three books in one month. We're not even a full month, full month in. I know. I, I was into The Glass Castle because my, um, I, I teach a special education. And so um, my high school my ninth graders are reading it in class. And I'm like, okay, if they have questions, I need to be able to, you know, try to help them with that or help them do what they need to do. So I binged it. I started it on Saturday and I finished it last night. Oh, good. So, good. Yeah, I went That's... to town. Clearly. I mean, Clearly. I think we're all always looking for ways to fit in. Cause, and I know Jake's struggling with this right now to fit in that little bit of how do I get this done in this amount of time? And mm-hmm. How do I be more efficient? I think. And I don't care if anybody says audiobooks count as reading. Like, it's a way for it's not physical reading, but it gets your mind like active, right? And it's fair, turning yeah. off the TV and not just blank, like blankly sta- staring at it. So mm-hmm. that's awesome. Well, well, like I listen when I cook, do dishes, um, when I'm taking a shower, when uh, I drive to work, 
when um, I'm folding you have clothes. Like a two-minute drive to work. Let's be honest with that. Hey, one, right? it don't matter. I can drive around <laughs> town and just listen to a story. Um, let's see. When it's my my prep, when I'm planning stuff, I listen. So it's like there's tons of times I realize during the day that I have open that you know I can do something besides you know either watch TV or just listen to music. And I love listening to music, but I'm just and, really into books right now. And you found this it's an app right like yeah and it's free right yeah it's it's through your public library oh perfect yeah Yeah, so like if you have like a library card well it's at least through mine so I don't know about anyone else but um it's Libby L-I-B-B-Y and I you know just type in my library card number and then I just start searching like I've got I've got like 38 books on my watch list or on my list that I want to read and there's some that I have put on hold because I will have a several months wait. So like spare, like the Prince I, Harry. Let, I don't even want to talk about it. I don't even want to talk <clears throat> about it. Let's not bring it up. Like those of us in the writing community, we call that the to be read list. So, oh yeah. TBR, I have a, that's your TBR. I have a long one and I, I am Jay, so I excited. Jake's got, a, Jake's got a pretty lengthy list. I imagine. Well, homie's reading yeah. like, <laughs> 12 books at once so probably I'm, I'm right i'm like let me do one i need one book at a time big shout out right now to carolyn who i have been friends with on twitter forever she is marvelous um carolyn if you want to jump on as a speaker you are more than welcome to and join in our conversation about the books that we are reading currently while we wait for some of our other people to show up yeah um, I, I, I'm, I like, and we're still trying to develop the show and figure out where it's going to go, but I think that's an online, I don't know. I like to talk books, obviously. That's why we're here. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think so far, I think I'm on book 12 for this year. That's disgusting. That's disgusting. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm barely so what- through book one, and you're like, I'm on book 12. Like... <laughs> Let's be so, honest. Uh, yeah. I have been reading a lot of middle grade novels because I write in the middle grade genre quite a bit. And they are much shorter than a lot of these other genres that you are both reading in. See, that's where you should, this is where the marketing comes in. Jake, when you get published because you're going a traditional route, you need to pitch it to Misty, who mm. teaches middle grade. And. There you go. There's your sales right there. Yeah. I mean, if if boys like sports and outdoor stuff and hunting, I mean, at least in Iowa, they do. And um, and then girls <laughs> are all about love. So, shoot, I will gladly read your stories. And I will tell you if my kids would get into it. And see, here's the thing that I am trying to do with a lot of the books that I am writing. I am so... And this is personal opinion. I am so over the idea that this is a girl's book and this is a boy's book. And so I am trying to write stories that both genders or all the genders are going to enjoy and that it doesn't have to be just a black and white or blue and pink or any way you want to put it so Mm -hmm. that everybody can read everything. I will say I have a young lady in seventh grade. Um, She asked me what book I was reading and I told her and or what book I was listening to and she she's like that sounds good and I'm like so what book what books do you like and she's like I like murder books I'm like well that's creepy but okay yes yes I mean who doesn't love a good murder book I seriously and so I check with her is raising up right now I I like a I like a good death but I mean (laughs) it it needs to be through love (laughs) but yeah no she she cracks me up so uh, every time I see her, I'm like, so do we have blood and gore yet? What's going on? So, I mean, there you go. If you want to do that, Jake, go for it. Death. Pure death. I say go for it. Carolyn, jump in here and let's hear what you are reading. Oh, okay. Well, I'm in the car. And so I, if I lose you, it's because of bad reception. I just finished... Um, uh, our Missing Hearts by Celeste Ng. And very nice. Just finished it on the way to where I was going tonight. And 
my goal this year is to definitely read young adult. That's what I'm trying to write. No, not trying to write. That's what I am writing. And um, so get into some young adult contemporary and anything you guys have. So I love that, honestly. And I love that you put the positive spin on that because you are writing young adult right now. It is awesome. Carolyn, I don't know if we've ever discussed, are you going the indie route or the traditional route? Okay, I think I might have to finish a book first to to get to that point. I did, I did finish one that's resting. So that's, I, I can say I did finish a book. Um, I know it's so hard to break in. Uh, I have the unique experience that I was querying my dad's novel after he passed away and didn't have any luck with that. And my mom is not quite sure if she wants to do indie, indie publishing. So it's kind of resting. So I've gone through the querying process on someone else's book, not my own. And it's brutal. Um, so, I don't Do you feel that because it was somebody very close to you, um, obviously, that it was their book, that it made it more personal for you as far as the rejections went? Surprisingly not. I could step away because in my mind, I knew the book was phenomenal, of course, you know, it was my dad. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I just think that he had published a book in 1998 so he has what it takes or he had what it took um but i think the publishing world has just changed so much so i oh absolutely it is a it can be a very scary landscape um which is part of the reason that we brandon and i wanted to do this show is because there are so many questions out there so many things that are unknown especially to newer writers um and even seasoned writers and we wanted to kind of have a space that we could discuss those things and talk about the ups and downs and absolutely it is something that is near and dear to our hearts for sure yes i think that's a perfect segue to let's let's jump on our topics what do you think absolutely um let's go ahead and last week on our episode we talked to one of my dear friends Liam, who is part of a critique group and a Twitter group that I that I am lucky enough to to kind of call my friends, uh, called the Mighty Ducks, and we all write middle grade novels together. Um, <laughs> I love that name. Just so you know. I just thank love you, that thank name. You. Is it about hockey? Because I mean, are all your books that you tend to write together about hockey, Disney no, base? No. Um. Yes. The great yes. part is is that. The middle grade hub, and I know that there's a YA hub too, Caroline, that you could join in. They will put you in a group of other authors that are writing either middle grade or young adult. And it's a great chance to network with other people who are in all different stages of querying and writing and getting published. And it's amazing what you can do when you have a community like that. Um, Liam is is one of the members of the Mighty Ducks, and no, we don't write hockey stuff necessarily. <laughs> um, but all of the middle grade groups that have come out of the middle grade hub have some fun little tie to them. Like we have the middle grade narwhals and so many other groups that are that we keep in contact with as well. Um, Liam's main question from last week was, how do you plot and plan? writing a series and this is a huge deal i know for brandon because he has this huge series plan and homie's got her already like three books out so i want not, him to kind of jump on yet but we're, we're getting there that's for sure hello brian and hello liam good to see you guys um <clears throat> give us just a minute to wrap up liam's topic which I'm so excited to chat about. Um, and then Brian will jump into what your questions have been that you sent us ahead of time. Well, I'm just wondering. Uh, uh, the- so I, I, we're, we're talking about uh, 
planning a series. Yeah, correct. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, did you just start that, or did I join in the middle bit? We literally just started. Okay, it. cool. That's all I wanted. Thanks. <laughs> You're fine. I think for me, <clears throat> I write backwards. So I here's the ending that I want, and how do I get there? And then just plan that out. And it's 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 hard to just say plan. I hate saying just plan that out, but you need to give those characters that are in that quote unquote final story give them their arcs how do they get there how do they and i personally i say i want that character to be the exact opposite of where they started so if you have someone who's kind of an anti-hero at the end have them start as a hero and just work that story backwards then you just have to start thinking timelines well someone just doesn't change in like a month in a week you can't just do that in one book you have to spread it all out and and jake i think we were talking the other day and correct me if i'm wrong here that we had uh, we had changed actually the timeline on my new age god series and i was like no that doesn't work because for for where i want book four to open how i want it to open i should say there wasn't enough time. I think what I was going to do, I was going to do like two years in between book three and book four in that universe. But for what I wanted, it was, that's got to be a five-year difference. There has to be five years between this book and this book. So this brings up, Brandon, an excellent question. Do you feel it is easier for a plotter or a pantser to come up with and navigate writing a series Ooh, i think i think on a certain level you have to be a, a plotter you have to there's certain scenes you can be you can just be like oh no this is going to be great in the series this is going to be great in this book but you do have to how do i get this character from here to here how do i show that they're growing in pain that they're that how do i show ptsd how do i show that they're set, like all those things and then you have to follow them through that story how does this person get over the ptsd how do they kind of work through it how does this person become an alcoholic and then get through that and none of those that really shape who we are are quick are quick solves right like they take months if not years and you should follow that through that character through the books and really just let that simmer on the character for a while. And as far as planning a series, I think you just have to, well, what do I want to happen in this book? What do I want to happen in this book? And make sure that order makes sense to get you to your final, this is the last scene that I want. This is what I want to happen. Now, would you say, Brandon, that um, for the for Jake and Liam who write, like, young, uh, well, no, not Liam, Miss Carolyn, who write young adult novels and middle grade novels, do you think that's going to be different? Because little kids, they are they don't care if they pull out the first book or the 32nd book in the series. It, they just want pretty much the same characters and how they act. I, I'm thinking like the Bailey School Kid books or the, from like when we were kids, like the Babysitter's Club. I was or, literally just thinking Babysitter's uh-huh, Club. Or uh, the, the, the match, no. Matchbox car, no, ma- the box, yeah, box car kids, box yeah. car so children, like, yeah, yeah, like like all of those. Those are ones that it doesn't matter what book you read within the series. It's you know your character. You know that you know this kid is always going to do this because that's their character traits. They really don't grow as characters. It's just different stories that they go through. I think that's very valid. It depends on what kind of series you want. If you want a series like that, then you're just it's a monster of the week sort of a feel to it what's mm-hmm. going to happen in this and those are going to be shorter books when i'm thinking a series i'm thinking like mine that's a like a novel. a novel those are to me those are what a novella those are all novellas so they're short mm-hmm. little quick stories that is very different where you can have this here's this situation for this week like the once a week power rangers that used to happen <laughs> right oh, yes ah, i miss the power rangers uh, <laughs> it's morphin time. It's morphin time. I was always the Red Ranger. Um, <laughs> always. Pink but I Ranger. think that in that in that stance, it's it is different because you don't 
necessarily need that character arc so much. I, I would personally still have it a little bit because mm-hmm. you want to be able to close out the series at the end. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not going to do this anymore. Well, I'm done with, like, this one. Because you can, you can only go so far with it. Like, how old are Eventually, I, it's like, you've got 365 of these events, and this kid is still, like, five years old. Like, <laughs> exactly, right. In there and say <laughs> that, given the Boxcar Children, given the Babysitter's Club, and given things like the Magic Treehouse, all great yes. books and great starter books, um, at that point, it doesn't matter if we necessarily have a series arc. I would say that Liam specifically is asking because he would really love to make his book, The Earthlings, into a four-book series. And I think the important things to remember are that we need character arcs for each of the books, especially for those main characters, one one character in particular. And then on top of that, we need a series arc. And a lot of people, I think, that want to write series lose themselves from book to book in the overall arc of the series. Yeah. I would agree with that. I think it's hard to... It, it, it is really hard to is for planning it out is definitely key i think at one point i had i was sitting on my floor and was like <laughs> this is going to be book one and this is going to be book four and i had like sticky notes all over the place and you know that scene in um it's always sunny in philadelphia where he's like okay this is where it's going to happen right and charlie's like got the wall covered and everything's just tied like together and stuff like that with string that was kind of my life for a little bit was just let's plan this out and those were just general ideas of like okay for this to happen i have to first create the characters that's book one book two this happens and then so on and so forth and just this gradual build now mindset for nine books which is insane by the way (laughs) yeah which so that's a very slow burn on that one but yeah Hopefully Liam. that helps. Hopefully that helps, Liam. I hope that all helps kind of answer your questions. Liam, I want you to jump back on if you can, if you're available. And I want you to kind of tell us, are you a plotter or a pantser when you are writing these when you are writing the earthlings? And I want to know a little bit, just a little smidgen of what you think books two, three, and four might entail. Real quick, what's a pantser? Okay, so we should have said that. Because <laughs> I'm fast. just, I'm honestly thinking like you're depancing people. She's not a writer. She doesn't know these terms. Like. I don't. All I, I, I read. I read a lot. I love to read um, like young adult novels, love stories, you know, historical fictions. Like that's my go-to. So I know what a plotter is. I mean, plus like, you know, I talk to Brandon every day, but a pantser. I'm like, I I work with middle schoolers. So are you depantsing people? This is what I need to know. No. So in ways <laughs> that you're gonna understand it, a plotter plots their books out, right? They plot yes. the storyline out. A pantser is someone who just flies by the seat of their pants. Gonna make this work. Uh, there you go. Oh, okay. And some of your some of your big authors are like that. Like, I mean, because I've read, you know, like stuff about authors that wrote like uh, like. Uh, what was it? The fudge nuggets. I don't know, but it was one where the author's like, oh yeah, no, I'm done writing. That's why I'm, I, we'll just see every story, which happens. Okay. So I want to hear it. Go Liam, go. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, you're on here as a listener. I'm going to invite you to speak, see if that works. Hopefully you can get on here and kind of tell us a little bit. And if not, that's okay too. Um, I will say that there is a third category too, Misty, that we need to talk about, and that is a planter. That is somebody who plots what? here and there. They plot here and there, but really the majority of the story is just coming spur of the moment out of their head, and they might have an idea of where it might be going, but you know, you never can trust those characters. Can you say that again? That's a what? It, that would a be pl- a planter. A planter. <laughs> I'd be a planter. I I'd be laugh. I'd be plotting to pants you. I know. <laughs> it's just I'd be it's just the image in my head is ridiculous. So 
I'm moving on. <laughs> okay. Liam, we are so glad you're still here. And if you can jump on here in a little bit, that works. If not, totally okay. Let's go ahead and let's move on to Brian, who had a really interesting question. Brian, I am going to send you an invite to speak. Hopefully you get that. I don't know how this works yet. So we're just kind of flying by the seat of our pants. We are totally pantsing this. Um, Again, terminology. Can you... Terminology. <laughs> we really need to speak on the terminology. Because yeah. not everybody knows it. We're, I mean, it's, it's just funny. <laughs> Brian, how's it going? Oh, goodness. I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad I'm, I made it safely. Can you hear me? Yeah, you can hear me. Um, yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, I've never used this technology before. Let's have a great day. Uh, there's no internet at home. I'm in the library in a study room, and um, and the walls are very green, and I'm not liking that. But anyway, so I forgot what my question was. <laughs> question was, was Brian. So I already funny. love you just for that. Like that's great. <laughs> Brian, main thing was was that you've written this memoir that is very personal. Um, yeah, no you and the events that you that that uh, kind of brought you to being you. Right. And you have fleshed it out so much at this point that you're a little worried about the word count. Oh yeah. So, um, it was it was down around seventy two thousand uh, before I started working with my mentor last fall. And my mentor's primary feedback was that it was way too Greek tragedy. I would get really like at the beginning of the sex scene and draw the curtain and be very discreet and coy about it. Uh, and he was like, why the fuck are you censoring yourself? Pardon my French, but why, why are you censoring yourself? And we, you know, this book is about your sexual journey. You're, se you're coming out, you're, you're owning your sexuality. Why are you doing that? Right. So I started, uh, he had another round of revisions and I, and I looked for places to zhuzh that up a lot. And, and I did, and now I'm coming up on 90,000 words and that strikes me as too much for memoir, but I don't know yet. And I'm also don't want to do another round of self-editing, uh, self-censoring rather, because you know, as my as my mentor rightly told me, some of those decisions need to be made in conversation with an editor whenever that happens. Absolutely. Uh, and I'm just nervous about like reaching out to an, to more, another round of agents or and or publishers and saying, uh, actually, it's ninety thousand words, but you'll love it anyway. Um, Especially, <laughs> yeah. I love the fact that you have gone through a lot of painful memories, and in addition to that, a lot of beautiful memories. And yeah. you're expressing those in such a way that it has taken ninety thousand words. And I think that yeah. the industry standards are such a great guideline. And for memoir, the the industry standard for publishing traditionally is yeah. 60 to 80,000 words. Yeah. That's kind of the the sweet spot. Now, really? That what? seems yeah. that seems low. Like yeah, it's no he's it's right. I've heard that too. Um wow. um it, you know, if I was writing like epic sci-fi, 120,000 would be great, but but no, memoir needs to be a little bit tighter, uh, generally speaking. Um but again, I don't know, you know, I'll say, okay, well, you know, it's 90,000 words, and with the right editor, it could be 75. Uh, but <laughs> Brian, do you feel like you have gone through this manuscript so many times that I'm sure you're sick of it? In a um, so I, I definitely was at the end of December. I had hit the proverbial wall um, and needed to put it aside uh, for a couple weeks. I'm back in it now. Uh, I've got only... Um, two and a half more chapters to go to to finish this current round of, of of rounding it out and then i'm planning after that to do an audio pass so have the have the have microsoft word basically read the book to me so i can stop and say oh that doesn't make sense or That's i use that word in the, yeah 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 
a great so, for our listeners for sure. Oh yeah. yeah, that saves a lot of work. A yeah. lot of work. Right. Um, you know, I'm particularly fond of certain words and turns of phrases and hearing them twice on the same page. Oh, okay, yeah. So things like that. Um but uh, I've, you know, at the same time, I also just sent the first 20 pages to Barrel House and said, hey, uh, I basically told them that I had the manuscript ready to go. <laughs> so, well, and do you have the manuscript ready to go? Absolutely. Could it be yeah. tighter? Could yeah. we cut down a little bit? Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. again, like you said, that's something that in traditional publishing, you can work towards with an editor. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that being said, there yeah. is a lot of tightening that we can do simply by going through. I don't know if you've done this one, Brian, but have you read your manuscript backwards? Yes, I did. That was uh, three or four revisions ago. Yes. Awesome. And, that, and that, that's actually what helped it. I mean, so the, the, rough, the first draft was 120,000 words. The, the second draft was 90. And then after I did, uh, you know, at some point, like draft six or so i did the read it backwards and that's what brought me down to 72 um which i am impressed with to go from 120 down to 72 is huge well um so the you know the first draft was very much um get it out and get it you know get it on paper because this is this is the stuff that i i needed to to exercise with an o there in the middle um, but also, uh, I, you know, I had not actually ever had a formal bit of training about writing and there was a lot I needed to learn along the way. And as I did that, I was like, okay, yeah, I, now I know how to revise this shit. Now I know how to trim it down. Now I know what to look for. Um, and I do some really interesting, well, I like to think that they're interesting. I do some different things with, with the structure and the format and, uh, I don't use quotation marks, for example. Everything that people say is in italics. It, it, yes, it works some people's last nerves. I get that. But, um, you know, it's it's part of it. And, and I like the revision process to a point. But when I set myself these artificial deadlines and then drive myself crazy trying to meet them, like I was doing in December, uh, so... It falls apart and it becomes yeah. authentic. And yeah, I think that's a big thing for especially newer writers and even some seasoned writers when you're writing something that is this close to your heart, this close to home, mm. you don't want to edit away the voice and the passion and the feelings. We yeah. simply <laughs> want to tighten up the the prose a little bit and make it so that it is clear and concise without losing all those other pieces. Yes, um, a couple of a couple of types of provisions that really helped, for example, was getting rid of expletive verbs like, you know, to be any form of to be. Um, I was, I, you know, they were, um, and replacing those with with tighter action verbs. Another another helpful thing to do was to get rid of um, uh, potentials, you know, like could and would, um, and then also to get rid of. Um, uh, intransitive. So, you know, I felt, I saw, I heard, uh, I ate, I, you know, those things that don't really tell you much. Um, so that all helped. Um, Absolutely. I know that there are a couple of sites out there on the internet where you can look up words that you should just cut completely from your writing. Yes. And that will absolutely bring down your numbers if you need to hit that sweet spot. Now, I know for me and for you, Brian, we're trying to push towards kind of the traditional route of publishing. Brandon, on the other hand, is absolutely an indie author and has found his niche there. And Brandon, what would you say about the industry standards as far as word count goes? (sighs) You know, I think this is I'm not a big memoir person, so take that with take my advice with a grain of salt, right? Okay. <clears throat> as an indie author, and I say fuck it, hit your no- like. If you need to tell your story and it's a little bit longer, fine. Tell your story. Let it be a little bit longer. Like that's. I know there's these industry standards, but that's the beauty about being self-published. 
is you can do what you want. And I think I said this in the last episode as well. That's that's the best part about being an indie author. I can do what I want. Yeah, it might be a little bit longer, and I would definitely try to get it brought down. But if you're like, no, these are definite. I have to have these, not necessarily words, but like this storyline has to work. And for yeah. it all to make sense, these sequence of events have to happen. Yeah. And you can only bring yeah. that down so far without losing something yeah. out of it or changing it so dramatically that it doesn't, it turns, it doesn't, it's no longer a memoir. Yeah. So I think if you're a little bit over, we, we said what, it was 62 and you're at 75, 75? Oh, no. So, 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 oh, the, the, the upper limit is, is normally around 80, 85. And I'm, I'm just over that at 90. Okay. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's feasible to get there. Uh, at the same time, you know, after I do that Microsoft oral um, round of revisions, I'm like, okay, now what? You know, not yet. Go go to round. That'll be round fourteen. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, part of me also wants to say, let's spend a little bit of money on a development editor and see what they think and see if that helps. Uh, but I don't have uh, three thousand lying around. Well, I mean, I mean, who does at this point, right? right. Like, well, I, yeah. I would say <laughs> if you feel comfortable with it, find a couple beta readers. And I, as a general yeah. rule of thumb, have one person that writes, one person that doesn't write, and uh, one person that doesn't write in my genre that I'm writing uh, in, and yeah, yeah. one that does. So four different beta readers. So you can kind of get across the spectrum of these are the people that... You know, and if you can double up on some of those, that's perfect. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting that you raised that point uh, because I was going to ask uh, in a in a later session, how does one find beta readers, right? Because I've sent, I have one, uh, and he's a person who does write, but not in my genre, and I get excellent feedback from him, but I don't have anybody else, um, and I'm not sure how to get them. I, you know, I just yeah. talk to friends like Missy does a lot of beta reading for me. I know Jake does a lot of beta reading for me. Um, those are usually my first go to go tos, and I have another friend that I've met on Twitter. Uh, and and I would say honestly, put the call out there on on Twitter. On the Twitter, tweet, yeah. Tweet it. Say, hey, I'm looking for beta readers for a memoir um, about this many words. Just looking for some general feedback or what have you. And I yeah. promise you, you'll start getting people. But just be careful with the bots. You just yeah yeah yeah. yeah I mean, we all know that. But I put it out there, and you're going to get some people. Right, it's okay. a free book, or however. I, I think that would be the best way to do that. Jake yeah, I might will, disagree with me on that. I one. will throw this out there, Brian. You have yeah. friends on Twitter that you connect with in a way that is more than just like, "Hey, how you doing?" Yeah. Um, I am gonna throw my hat in the ring out there and say that you and I have had some great conversations, some great discussions. Yes. And I think that that being said, I would totally um, be willing to be one of your beta readers. I would love to do that. Um, but there's no horse. There's no horses in my book, Jake. That is okay, Brian. That there are no horses in the book. The funny thing is, is that so far I have no horses in any of the books that I have written. Oh darn. Okay. It, we will get there though. Um, <laughs> Finding beta readers, and you bring up an excellent point, it can be very, very difficult. And I would say it is more difficult for those that are writing for the adult genres than it yeah. is for those that are writing the in kidlet, whether that's YA or middle grade, chapter books, picture books. I think there is already a, a kind of a thriving community out there that mm. people can tap into. I find that it's not as easy in the adult realm, which I find so fascinating. All of us as writers should be out there, you know, cheering on and supporting yeah. and helping each other. Um, I think that that would be a really cool thing if we had a platform or some, you know, Twitter spaces writing show like the writer's block where people could find other yeah, yeah. beta readers. Um, nice, nice, shameless self promo right there i love that joke. you got it hey you got it you got it you got i'm it. not shaming by any means i'm all for it like i love it yeah <laughs> okay 
Ryan, I know that there are some other platforms out there like Fiverr and things where you can actually pay to have beta uh, yeah, readers yeah, yeah. with reviews yeah, yeah. and things like that. But I think, you know, I don't know that writers need to go in that direction because honestly, yeah. for most writers, it is something that they're not doing as a full-time profession. It is something that right. they're doing while they have their full-time job. Um, right. and, and for you, especially Brian, I know that you have a commute and you have a job and there is not always time <laughs> in the day yeah. to, to yep. make things like this happen. Um, yeah. and so I think that there needs to be kind of a shift in the community in that sense. Um, especially finding platforms like Twitter and things that, that were not a, available you know 20 30 yeah. years ago i think sure, there's sure. A, a great community that can be found here thank you i do think brian that we can absolutely cut five to ten thousand words from your story yes and part yeah. of that is going to be very brutal with the standard phrase of kill your doll your darling yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Everybody hears it and everybody hates it. And at times it's, you are so close to the piece and you've read it so many times that there yeah. may be things that just, you know, fly under the radar. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the whole point of not like, not overwriting any work is so that I can go back and say, Oh, you know what? Let me resurrect this. Um, but uh, after I've cut something out, um, but yeah, you know, you're right. Um, the only the only line I'm probably going to draw is those like every now and then there'll be a paragraph where I veer from clinical to uh, orgiastic within the space. Of, <laughs> oh with, my within god! The, I love the space, that word. Love that yeah. word. <laughs> <laughs> within the space of three sentences, um, and my mentor thinks that that's the funniest thing on uh, about the book is that I can do that. So. Yeah. Other than that, sure, I'll cut. <laughs> Danny, shout out to you. Thank you for joining us. We are talking with Brian right now about how to cut down on those word count numbers when you're trying to get traditionally published and how to kind of find that sweet spot where an agent's going to say, you know what, this hits, ticks all the boxes, this hits the mark, and bonus, they have the word count well within the industry standards. Um, Brian has been through so many sets of revisions so far. I think we're at 13, right, Brian? Uh, actually, this is I'm, I'm in 12. I'm about to start 13 once 12 is done, but yes. Perfect. <laughs> and I am so excited to jump in for round 14. Um, I think that will be a lot of fun. Um, Brian, I know that there are going to be spaces that you absolutely do not want to cut in this memoir. Yeah. Yeah. But there are also going to be spaces where maybe, just maybe, yeah. one of us as a beta reader is going to find areas that we can trim a little bit. And oh, yeah. how do you, as the author of this memoir feel when people say you know what this doesn't work for me cut this out are there things that you kind of say you know what i disagree with this i'm going to keep it anyway or are there or do you accept most of the changes that your beta readers suggest um so um i'll give you some examples um the person i've been working with consistently for a couple of revisions is a is a dear friend of mine todd who who knows this story inside and out basically um and his feedback has generally been um in terms of of grammatical and and stuff and every now and then he will say things like i you know this is this doesn't read correct or this um or this doesn't you know, um, this doesn't seem to make sense. Like I'm missing information here. That's good information. Um, I, I'm not particularly precious about things, but if they're saying, oh, you know, if the feedback is this is too much, like too sexy or too, 
uh, I did not need to know about, um, you know, how to, you know, learning how to bottom, for example. Um, that I, I would push back on. <laughs> I love that you put that in there. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you <laughs> That's off. That's okay. <laughs> Just I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm loving you too, Brandon, by the way. Thank you. Um, and, but yeah, I mean, you know, there's, if they say, oh, well, this backstory is too much, or we didn't need to know this about your high school experiences or whatever, I, you know, um, Allison Williams actually read the first 50 pages and her advice was cut a half of this. And I did, um, uh, you know, it was, it was about my, it was about my childhood. It was about my father's first heart attack and I could have leapt to um, uh, my, you know, the first, my first visit to uh, a, a, how do I, you know, it was a stationary store, but the first time I saw gay porn on the shelves, uh, which is when I was 14. Uh, and I started there. Um, it's not the start of the book right now. Uh, the, the start of the book is, is the fight uh, with my ex uh, in Tokyo where, where I throw him out and he turns around and says, ah, but I'm HIV positive. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Um, and then I go back. Um, See, I, can I just jump in for a quick second, Brian? Yep. You, you say that, and this is just my feedback, though, yep. when you're a 14 year old and you see porn for the first time, to yep. me is a much stronger opening than the fight. Well, it, I'm just, yeah. I'm just giving you honest initial. No, feedback. no, 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 I have, I have more. Yeah, I, I hear you. I have gone back and forth on this a couple of times. <clears throat> um, and I, you know, starting with either my father doing the birds and the bees talk um, and me not understanding what the hell the word vagina meant. Um, and uh, or the, the, you know, going to the books, going to the stationery store with my mother and asking her if I could get Playgirl. Um, um, but um, at the same time, one of the big themes of the book is the fact that I left the United States specifically to Wait. escape AIDS and, you know, I end up with it. And the person I thought was supposed to be my lover, my roommate, everything is, has been manipulating and lying and telling me all of this and ends that manipulation with actually I'm HIV positive. Um, so yeah, I hear you. Um, I, I still can go back and forth on this. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm not a I'm not averse to moving it around. I've you know I've already done so a couple times. So thank you for the feedback though. That's good. I will jump in there and I will say to especially to those people that are listening. Obviously, we're talking about <laughs> kind of making revisions and and cutting down to specific word counts. I think the, the long and the short of it ends up being it has to still have the author's heart in there, no matter what the beta readers or, for that matter, you know, agents and editors. We sometimes think of them in, in this publishing industry, in the traditional publishing industry, as these um, kind of monoliths that are, are standing up there and are these, these gatekeepers. And in a way they are, but they also are people and they also simply want to help you tell the best story that you can. Yeah. And if that resonates and and if those words that they are trying to get you to toss out are important to you in such a way that it it uh it compromises the story without them, then I think that's something that needs to be said to to all writers is that you can stand up and say, you know what, I am not comfortable with the direction that we're taking this story. And that can be scary sometimes, um, especially as, as new writers that are trying to break into the industry, get that agent and, and get that, yeah. uh, that publishing contract. Um, and even it can be scary for, for those indie publishers that are putting their voice and their words and their work out there, and they're getting a lot of the feedback after the fact they're getting those those comments of you know you didn't need this and you shouldn't have pushed the uh the theme this far and that can be kind of gut-wrenching for anybody um 
but I love the fact, Brian, that you are committed to the heart of this story and it's going to be your story kind of in a way, whether they like it or not. Well, and I, 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 I'm a little bit more blunt and out there. So I'm all about push the boundaries. That's how you get your story out there in front of people, right? Like Mm -hmm. make your, like you have to, the community is so large. We're all storytellers. And while we're all trying to support each other, what makes your story different? You have to be the loudest. And I go back to mm-hmm. sister, the original sister act. When she's teaching, when Whoopi is teaching that one nun to sing, and she's saying, I need to hear you sing. I'm going to be, imagine me sitting at the back of the bar, and I need to hear you through all this. You have to be that nun. Mm-hmm. That's how you have to get your story told. And if that means you have to push boundaries, push those boundaries. I'm all about that. Like, make your story more unique than others. And I, while we all do that every single day, it's different. It's just, it's a lot, it's a lot of work in the, in in the, in, in the industry and you have to find that niche. And I think Brian hearing a little bit about your story, I Mm. would be interested to read it as a beta reader and see what I could do to help out with that. And I might not be able to do like word count, but like this is this role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Story. I can help yeah, out yeah, a little yeah. bit, however, yeah, yeah. but yeah, that's okay. just my two cents. I'm not, a, again, uh, I'm not a memoir reader. <laughs> you'll love mine though. You will. Uh, <laughs> um, and I'm glad Ferbin and, and um, Perry have, have chilled out a little bit there, Jake. Yes, thank um. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, can you take them out, like, please? <laughs> Ferb and Perry are are my dogs. For those who don't know, and uh, they um, they can get a little vocal about things. But I'm <laughs> I'm going to consider it that they are just encouraging you, Brian, to yep. continue on this path that you have chosen. <laughs> Okay, I'll 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 stop. I know I've been monopolizing time, so no, you are perfectly fine. You this are good. Is what the writer's block is all about is frank and open conversations and discussions, answering questions and discussing all things writing. Um, Brian, I hope that we will continue to hear from you on the writer's block because yep. Yep, yep, I yep. really would like to dive more into. We could have an entire episode just dedicated to how to find beta readers or what makes a good beta reader and i love uh i love bringing up these questions because there are things that depending on where you're at on your writing journey you may or may not need or want but they are going to come into play at some point you know i think that should be next week's theme how do you find a beta reader perfect I like I that. Think, I think that's a great, like, what do you look for? What what kind of feedback do you need? Because I think every author looks for different feedback from their from different beta readers. Like, I, when I send my stuff to Misty, I really just want her to be like, it's amazing. It's a number one bestseller. But she, <laughs> never, she never says that. She's always, <laughs> she, just, she just is like, it's good. Like, I'm interested in the next one. Like a good best friend does, right? That's what she does. Dude, I'd tell you if I think something sucks or if you need to change something. So, no, I'll tell you if it's good or if it's bad or if it's whatever. She read the but, very yeah. first draft of my very first book and it was rough. Not, it was rough. Like, let's just own that. It was very rough. <laughs> I told him it was like reading a textbook. I but don't here's know. the thing the feedback that you gave him pushed him to that next level. And it was really important for Brandon to have a beta reader that was willing to tell him that. I think a lot of times we get beta readers or family members or friends that are just a little too nice about our writing. And sometimes we might need that positivity pass where we say, you know what, I do not want you to correct anything. I just want you to say, these are the good parts. And as writers, we absolutely need those positive moments. But we also need to have the hard truth shoved in our face sometimes 
rather uh, aggressively that things could get better or things will get better if we just work on our craft. Yeah, I think it's that important feedback, that's that criticism that we need to push ourselves. Like, you know what, I'm better than this. And that's that that push that we need. So, yeah, I think next week let's talk about beta reflex. Let's do it. Brian and Liam, I want to give a special shout out to you guys. Thank you so much for your questions, for writing into the show and being willing to uh, kind of put yourselves out there um, in kind of a scary environment sometimes to kind of get some feedback. Oh, if you were involved, I knew it wasn't going to be scary. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. I will take that as a sincere compliment. It is. It is. Well, it looks like we are wrapping up on our hour. I hope that everybody will tune in next week. We're going to do this every single week on Wednesday, 7 Central. And uh, thank you, everyone who's made comments, who has jumped in here and kind of made this show something special. Yes, thank you, everyone. Hopefully we see you next week. Thank you. For all you writers out there, don't be afraid of the writer's block. We'll catch you guys later next week and uh, look forward to hearing from you.